and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan, and today's guest on the show is Liza Flume, a Melbourne-based singer, songwriter and producer who spent many a year in Ireland back along around 2012, 2013, 2014. She released an EP in 2013 called Full Steam Ahead on Toast Office Records, also once home to Pillow Queen's Sarah Corcoran's former band Kate's Party. So we get into those good old days a little bit on the Zoom call, which took place at either ends of our own days, the start of my Saturday and the end of Liza's in Melbourne. We discussed her journey around the world, discovering herself as well as her sound, and also how Australia and Melbourne have handled the lockdown uh, over the course of the COVID-19 Melbourne lockdown, Liza wrote, recorded and mixed her upcoming EP, The Right Time, the title track of which you can hear at the end of the podcast. She had just gone to a gig again, like in the past week. So we talk about the idea of going to gigs again. It seems so far away for us here in Ireland, but it's happening in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and it sounds like it's an amazing experience. We also discuss why an album might be next for Liza after a string of singles and EPs over the years. She releases the Right Time EP next month and she has a new track coming off the EP this week. It's called When We Were Kids. It's great. And so you can check out her socials, Spotify and Bandcamp for a listen to that this week. I really enjoyed chatting with Liza. We go back. We go back a good bit, so it was great to uh, catch up with her over Zoom, cross-continent. But before we begin the chat, let's take a listen to what we call Love, the first track off that Full Steam EP released back in 2013. First of all, I'll use you as my Australian correspondent to report back from Melbourne of how the coronavirus is at the moment, how you've handled it uh, in Australia and in Melbourne. We've, we've actually come out of lockdown. I know that you won't want to hear that, but it's the truth. <laughs> the lockdown was pretty, pretty intense last year. So I guess we're so lucky we're, it's an island. So, I mean... You live in an island too, but <laughs> we're so far away from everything. So we really didn't get hit as bad as other countries. Um, but when we did get, um, I think we the most we got to was like 800 in a day. And uh, then we just went into like a really strict lockdown for, it felt like the whole year, but I, I'm sure it was only like six months. Yeah, at this point, like 
everything's opening back up. It, it all happened very slowly. And anytime there was like a few cases popped up, we'd go into like a flash lockdown for five days and then come out of it. So yeah, I went to my first gig in a year the other day and it was so nice. <laughs> wow. Uh, just the idea of a gig, like it seems so long ago. Like we're talking on Saturday, the 6th of March, the 7th of March, 2020, was my last like proper gig so it's a it's a full year since I've been to a gig so please just tell me like is the experience just relief revelatory it's just like oh thank god this is back yeah I cried loads (laughs) I was that person I bet you weren't the only one though yeah I'd say loads of people do cry um it was beautiful I mean it was particularly because obviously there's restrictions on how many people can be there so I think there was like 50 or maybe 70 at most um and the musician I saw Harmony Byrne she usually plays full band but instead she just had acoustic guitar she had a cello at one point and a didgeridoo at one point as well and it was just so it was kind of stripped back and yeah look it was there was one part where like the backing singers were singing she was singing she was inviting the crowd to sing and I was just like weeping just like oh my god here we are together just having this experience just yeah it was a lot (laughs) wow yeah I'm looking forward to that experience um how have you found the last year yourself um like creatively personally like dealing with the lockdown how did you uh how did you find it god I well I I definitely had some really like some deep lows and some some big highs too I guess I got pretty anxious pretty um pretty scared pretty fearful pretty um upset angry um just kind of I guess sort of dealing with that feeling we've all had to deal with of like not having control over plans and where we're going and that's that's so hard to to wrap your head around and like um especially if you you get all your self-esteem and um you get like a sense of purpose from the plans that you have I guess we all do and then when that's taken away it's like well what's the point (laughs) of all of this but I was still at uni so I had to keep going which was a good distraction do you in Australia call it lockdown? Like, are you, is that what you still call it? Like, what are you actually referring to it as now? Since it's kind of like, it's pretty much over, isn't it? Like, is yeah. society back to normal in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. I I feel really, again, really bad saying it because <laughs> um, I know what it feels like to be in it. So, um, but yeah, it is pretty much back to normal. So um, we just... We're, we're down to just wearing masks on public transport. Um, and then there's restrictions on how many people can be in certain spaces. But yeah, it's pretty much back to normal. And I guess it's nice as well that you did have the distraction of like college work. You're doing an audio course at the moment. Like that that was something that you were doing before lockdown. The coronavirus didn't hit and you were like, ah, what am I doing with my life? I need to go back to college. You weren't like that at all. Well, no, yeah, I was already doing it, but um, I had my sort of quarter life crisis before then. <laughs> um, I think coming back to Australia was my quarter life crisis. Like, okay, I need to, I need to do something here. I need to sort sort something out. But um, 
yeah, it was it was good to have the distraction, but I'm also like paying a lot of money to use the studios, so that was hard because I didn't want to completely drop out because um, I felt like my mental health needed it. But I was also like, oh man, I'm not actually getting to use the studios, so that was a, a weird one. So you allude to coming back to Australia there. Um, you obviously have Irish connections, hence why you're on uh, the podcast where I interview Irish musicians. So uh, tell me about the journey, because maybe like the timeline of it, like when you first came to Ireland and, and like eventually getting back to uh, to Australia, the life of Liza Flume, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, look, it was. Yeah. OK, <laughs> where do I start? Um well, actually, I first moved to Ireland when I was 18 um, and I was doing like a gap year and I met a bunch of musicians who um, I've stayed friends with till now. And then I went back to Australia to start a course and then I hated that. I tried to move to New York without any proper visa. So I managed to stay there for six months. Um, and then I was like, okay, I can't keep getting tourist visas. I've got to go. Um, but then I, how did I find my way back? I think, yeah, I was traveling in, in Europe and then I had my first like breakup and, um, I had 50 euro and I (laughs) flew to Ireland where I have family. And, um, then I just met back up with my friends and, I just fell in love with Ireland. So that would have been like 2014-ish? Am I, have I got my timeline right there? Maybe when you came back? Yeah, I think it was about 2012, 2012, 2013, I think. And that's when my friend Steve started their little um, music collective, Toast Office Records, which Sarah Corcoran was a part of, which um, I think you had on the podcast recently. Yeah, it was just amazing. It was like everyone was recording music and putting out music and playing shows. And I probably met you around that time. Yeah, I certainly would have heard your music around then. That would have been um, the time of your first EP as well, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the good the good old days. I think it's so easy to kind of like romanticize that time now, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Is that just like something natural that happens to us? But I do think it's it's like Dublin in particular, you know, um, there was just so many, so much more space for artists and, uh, you know, it was kind of rents seemed to be relatively okay for people. Whereas now it's just like, just a bit of a crisis, uh, all over. Um, I don't know if you kind of romanticize that time as well. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I just remember it with I just remember the community, like the music community, and I've never never found anything quite like it anywhere else. It's pretty special. I wish it could come back, but maybe soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then continue your journey around the world back to uh, back to Australia. Okay, so I guess I was yeah in Ireland for about four years, I think, and then I moved to London, which was not really a music choice. It was a personal choice. And, um, and I, I think I lasted about three years there and then back to, back to Sydney. And then I got into this course down here in Melbourne. So I moved to Melbourne. So a bit of a (laughs) all over the place twenties, but, (laughs) um, I'm pretty, I really love Melbourne. So I reckon it'll be my home for a while anyways. 
Yeah. How how is it as a music city? Oh, it's great. I think it's got the second most music venues per capita behind Austin, Texas. So it's just like loads of music venues, very like loads of small music venues. Um, yeah, lots of variety of music. And I think like people have a bit more money as well. I think that helps when you can afford to go to gigs. <laughs> yeah. I found that living in London was like I couldn't afford to do anything. And like even though I was working 60 hours a week. Oh, man. Um, it's it's amazing that you've been uh, all over the world. But like in, in Melbourne, like with all of that amount of music that's being made, is it kind of daunting sometimes as well? Just trying to get your is, is it good, you know, because you have so many options where you can play or is it daunting? Like, oh, my God, there's so many musicians around. There's so many venues. There's such a, you know, you're, you're vying for an audience. Um, I try not to think about it like that, because otherwise I'll get. I won't release anything, <laughs> but yeah. And Aussies are a little bit, um, they're not as, uh, uh, sort of, they don't warm to you as, as quickly as Irish people I found. So it takes a little bit longer to like get your little community, but it's pretty, it's pretty great. I, yeah, I think I've only been here like three, two years, but, um, I think I've got a, a lovely little group of people around me. So so, so you're not from Melbourne originally, you were born somewhere else? Yeah, born in, born in Sydney and my parents are from Dublin. I love Sydney, it's a, it's a beautiful city, it's, it's really lovely. But they, yeah, there's been a few things that have uh, happened in Sydney that mean that um, there's less venues, a lot of venues had to close down and um, the music scene just kind of has taken a bit of a hit in the last few years and Melbourne's just, the opposite of that it's just I mean maybe not in 2020 but <laughs> um in general it's it's pretty great so I just made that decision to if I was going to go to college then I may as well be in a city that's got a lot of live music and a few more options I think that idea of Melbourne is more of a welcoming city and that idea going back to 2012 and Toast Office Records that was a welcoming experience as well that was kind of like your first kind of I don't know, scene is probably the wrong word, but like a formative experience, I'm guessing, in music. For sure, for sure, yeah. And when that when that started, um, there was a lot of like house gigs and um, I had never, it just opened, it just completely opened my mind. Um, I felt like there was always, I always felt this massive gap between sort of playing open mic nights and then there was this massive space um, to like artists that were actually signed to labels or actually doing bigger shows. And when I got to Ireland and I met, um, this group of people, I was like, oh, this is the, this is the gap in between. It was, it was just the community, the support, um, and even just like playing open mic nights in around Dublin, like just how respectful people were of, um, listening and being quiet and, um, just the people you meet along the way and, yeah, it's just, it, it sort of just gathers, it, for me, it just gathered speed and I just, I felt just so welcomed. It just made the whole experience so, so wonderful. When you said uh, Toast Office Records, um, it, it just kind of like instantly took me back. I'm just looking at the Bandcamp 
page now, like looking at some of the acts. So like Sarah Corcoran, who you mentioned, she's now in Pillow Queens, her first band, uh, Kate's Party, put out records uh, with them, the likes of uh, Sean Riddick, Connor Linney, Garrett Moore, uh, Bad Bones are on there as well. Um, there's a compilation to 2013 compilation from Toast Office as well. So like who who else w- was kind of in it? Were you just kind of around all of those people all of the time and just like playing music with them, bouncing ideas off them and just like learning, you know, the trajectory, I suppose. Yeah, like there was uh, Sarah actually came to my first ever gig that was in our garden and uh, she made my my music video for what we called love. which is really cute um I think I I paid her in a burrito that's what I because I had no money um and yeah I guess well uh I don't I guess I sort of collaborated and bounced off a few of those people a lot of the people I was very intimidated by like um people I'd see at parties and stuff um I was probably too nervous to actually (laughs) speak to I probably just awkwardly in the corner was like hello um but there was just there was yeah there was a lot around um in in the south of dublin at the time and i guess they would it was a group of mates really um and there was just just a great sense of like respect for each other's art and and like a real diy feeling i kind of think that like that's one of the most important things for a musician at that age to just be surrounded by other musicians and surrounded by music and playing all of the time because it's so easy to almost get um, held down just by the idea of it, by the idea of playing music. But when you're actually just like messing around with friends, you're just talking over ideas. I just think like that's as good an experience as any that you can get, particularly at that stage of life. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember the like the first um, time I recorded, my friend Steve was like, oh, it's your birthday. I'm going to buy you um, some recording time and just with a friend who lived in the same house in his bedroom and I was like I will I can't I can't do that and he was like yeah of course you can what do you mean like you just record and then you just like you burn the cd and then you make you physically make the case and then you go and play shows and you sell it for five euro and I was just like what is this world who are these people like what how do you you know just that sort of fuck it just do it like don't worry about the polished product and I've tried I think I've kind of always held on to that that or I've tried to hold on to that even if I get swayed by like industry stuff I try to always be like you know I'm just doing this because I love it and try to always go back to that that feeling of just excitement and it's like a magical thing I don't know, like sometimes it it can get crushed in people, that feeling. And at the end of the day, like it it is the best, like it's the best thing. It feels like such a, uh, like the learning curve never really stops either, does it? Like you're constantly being told like that, that industry stuff, oh, this is what you should be doing now. This is what you should be doing. Whereas it's, it's so simple really, you know, when you reduce it to what it is. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you, if you can maintain that feeling, you're going to create more honest stuff and people are going to connect better. So it's kind of this cycle of like um, trying to push away the things that don't serve you or like sort of um, stump your creativity because judgment and um, perfection is, you know, you can't be creative in that, in that energy. 
So, yeah, did you ever get that with the podcast, like pressures from, oh, sorry, the blog, like pressures from like how it should be or? I don't think so. Like you're trying to, I guess you're always trying to get more, more, I mean, like, like a musician, I suppose you're trying to get more eyes on you or, you know, trying to do it to the best of your abilities, but also like you kind of have to let the work speak for itself. Like I'm not very good at shouting about it. Um, or even the podcast, you know, but I think uh, it's it's of a good enough quality, I think, that it can kind of speak for itself, maybe, hopefully. Um, like, like you know, I mean, Sarah, who will, who will keep talking about throughout this interview, why not? Like, I, I just really, really enjoyed that chat with her. And it, it must be really cool for you to see, like, their trajectory and, like, keeping tabs on, like, how she's developed, both, I guess, as a person and as a musician, because she is... Uh, a great guitarist bassist singer now as well and pillow queens who are up for the choice prize this week like it's just been great watching their trajectory isn't it yeah well i guess it's when you when you know how hard people work and how many years and how much love people put into to things you just you're just so excited for them so yeah that's that's my only feeling towards towards pillow queens is like just like how rad like just keep doing what you're doing and like it's so good that so many more people get to hear your music because it's it's great and it needs to be spread and um and it also makes you want to join a girl band <laughs> doesn't it like you're just like man I need to join a band like every time I see them play on well it's usually online these days but um yeah it's so great it's it's beautiful and and it and it came it came to it seems like it came together so organically and uh, I'm just so happy for them yeah did you do you feel like part of the Irish music scene industry or do you or do you kind of think of yourself as an outsider looking in or what's your relationship like with the the industry the scene in Ireland if there is one um is it something that you've ever thought about yeah, I do. Sometimes I I get sad when I feel like an outsider cuz I it makes me sad. But yeah, I don't know. I I kind of just feel a bit like a consumer of it now. Like I I when people are re- releasing music, I'm just like a fan rather than um a peer. But that's also really lovely too. And I just I mean, it's been so long. It's been like three years since I've been been back. So, but I'll always have a very close connection to Ireland because of my family and uh, because of so many great friendships I made. And whether they're musicians or um, just just mates, um, I'll always feel really connected. So, like you released uh, the EP Full Steam Ahead in 2013, and a couple of. Uh, songs and eps uh since then like i mean the sound has obviously changed in a way but does it actually take a while just to figure out what you want to be when you're starting out yeah a hundred percent it uh that that was so crippling to me that i stopped playing music for a long time because i didn't know you know there was so much pressure like you've got to find your sound and unfortunately i i couldn't decide um, I, I wanted to, my songs could be played. I could hear them as like, 
uh, indie pop or indie rock songs, or I could hear them as electronic, um, like sort of um, lo-fi pop kind of stuff. Um, and I didn't know how to how to marry them. And I felt a lot of pressure to figure it out. And I just stopped playing because I was too overwhelmed with it all until I started playing around with recording my own stuff. And I don't really know. I try not to think about it too much because I find it so um, crippling. But I just try to think that my songwriting and my voice will always stay the same and that's a common thread throughout. And if I'm inspired by a certain genre, just go with that at the time. Yeah, that's kind of the way that works for me the best. I find your songs like so evocative and so um, like we're there with you sort of thing, like particularly so on the Spain EP from 2017, which um, I played a lot. I mean, the, the actual writing of them, it kind of seems almost like uh, like diary entries. Like, is that kind of how you see them yourselves? Are they very personal experiences to you, like uh, lyrically? Yeah, yeah, I've always, I'm a bit of an oversharer. <laughs> but, you know, funnily enough, um, not always. Like um, in my personal relationships, I'm not always an oversharer. Um, but in my music, I seem to be. But I read something recently that said people that, um, try so hard to to express themselves through whatever they're expressing themselves through are doing it because they struggle to express themselves just in life so I wonder if there's that like I I find it hard to be super honest in life but once I'm writing songs I can just say exactly how you know how things feel and and sort of go to some pretty um some pretty vulnerable places that you don't really you don't really want to share with people but and sometimes I have like a vulnerability hangover after I release music I'm just like oh god I feel so depleted because I just told everyone you know my saddest moments but I guess I just can't really help it I try to write light songs and I can't so (laughs) This is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, like, and then the obvious question is kind of like, do you find it cathartic once they're actually like down? And and when you're actually singing them, do you like, do you feel those personal experiences or are you just kind of like singing the words then at some stage because you've seen them and read them so often? Do you kind of become removed from them eventually or do you always feel them? Uh, Yeah, I think I, I think, I think I always feel them. I, I kind of think of it as like honoring writing a song about something is like honoring the feeling um it's like almost a bit creepy the way we have a a really like you know we have a breakup or someone in our life dies and we feel these intense feelings and then they just go like it's so strange to me and like I've always thought of music as like honoring that feeling and really like holding on to it and capturing it because otherwise it just goes and I don't know that's actually a really weird thing to say, <laughs> but it means that when I do sing them um, or when I perform, like I really do feel them again. And um, and it's something, I think it's quite beautiful. And I think of it as like, I feel lucky that anyone would want to listen along to those things. And I also feel very connected 
with whoever's in the room and um the whole fe- the whole experience is quite sort of cathartic um for me so and when was the last time that you performed can you remember god actually it is hard to remember back <laughs> um i su- i played i supported a um really great singer songwriter called um grace um and yeah that was pretty special and um that was probably a year and a, a year and a half ago maybe yeah oh and i supported bonnie oh true um bonnie bonnie songs she is is irish she's from wicklow and she was part of um toast office uh so i supported her which was beautiful to like have the worlds uh coming together over over in melbourne i presume is it yeah she she lives in sydney but she came down to to play a show and she asked me to support her so that was really special ah okay great um like do you miss it do you miss performing do you feel like i just really want to get back up on stage yeah i think it's so hard because i find live performance like so anxiety inducing um and then you know once i'm on stage i'm just like oh my god this is the best thing ever um so i kind of i have like a toxic relationship with live performance i guess um whereas recording and releasing music is just something that i just uh i love doing and i'm i'm constantly just doing organically i do miss it i miss the I miss it as much as I miss going to gigs. I just, I think I miss the whole experience um, of live music and just the connection. Like I said the other night, just losing my shit, um, crying because we were all there together. (laughs) But yeah, so the whole experience in general, not necessarily me performing, but it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like um, putting a show together and, and, you know, asking um, support acts to come and then all your mates are there and it's, it's pretty um, euphoric, the feeling that you get, especially afterwards. I wish that I told you I wish that I held you I wish that I told you I wish that I held you feels like we've kind of been all around the world it's almost like a a geography podcast as much as a music podcast but I I do have a point it you did release the Spain EP in 2017 like was that did that feel like a nice moment for you kind of releasing it after a couple of years not making music 
or not releasing music, sorry. Well, the way that came about was when I moved to London, I moved with, with my mates that, oh, to, I keep bringing up Toast Office, but my Toast Office <laughs> mates, Steve and Gaz. Um, and yeah, I, um, I, I had a bunch of songs and we were just chatting one day and said like, oh, should we just, should we just try and play these live? And then, yeah, we, it just, it was just kind of a joke at first. And then, um, we just, I got really, um, blown away by like the experience between, cause I've usually only play sort of on my own or maybe with one other person. And so playing in a three piece was just like a wild thing, especially with your mates. Um, and it was just fun. And after such a, a long period of feeling really anxious about, about music and about myself as a musician and just about myself in general, really, but, um, then just to have fun and try not to think too much. And, um, I started, yeah, I started listening to Angel Olsen and Big Thief. And at that time, um, I was just really obsessed with guitar music, I guess. Um, and just like dirty drums. And (laughs) so the Spain EP came out of that. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. It was great. I really enjoyed all the shows and just to experience that kind of the band experience of music, um, which is really different. So, so it's all just kind of like learning new things, learning new experiences along the way. Like you're never going to be like the finished product really are you? You're always like trying to do something new or, or looking to do something new, I suppose. Yeah. Cause I, I'm kind of just like that as a person. So, um, I'm always getting, I always get really obsessed with things. Like at the moment I'm obsessed with clouds and you probably have noticed on my Instagram, but all I, I just am obsessed with clouds. I just Google clouds. I want to know about them, why they, how they are, like what are clouds? Like it blows my mind. And I, I just, I get that way with, with different types of music. Like, um, when I was making this EP, I just listened to, um, heaps of eighties stuff. And I just was like, I just, I got obsessed with 808 drums and, um, different synths and I just, I couldn't stop. Um, yeah, I just couldn't stop listening to, um, certain certain styles and then it creeps its way in I guess I hope I I hope I never um stop changing and growing and um because that's that's a little sad I think both personally and like musically yeah I think so people really like management and and people really want to put musicians in a box because they're trying to sell sell you so that more people can hear your music and the problem with that is like some people don't fit in a box and some people can't be packaged up um, with a cute bow. So I always try to remember that, like maybe I'm just not cut out for for that and that's okay. So in the past year, you say that you've uh, written, recorded and mixed the new EP. It's called Right Time, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. the name of the, the lead single. Yeah. Um, w- was that kind of on your mind at the start of 2020 anyway if you can even imagine what that was like pre-pandemic that like okay gotta release a new album now in the next year or a new EP in the next year no I, I did it as a coping 
strategy. <laughs> um, I just, I, yeah, I need projects. I need, I need something to be focused on. Um, I hope that's not sort of a, you know, a sort of socialized thing to do with capitalism where I'm like, must be productive all the time. I, I hope it's not that it could be, I'm happy to take that, but, um, I just, I function better when I'm, when I've got a focus and, um, I wasn't doing super well mental health wise. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm giving myself a week. I'm recording an EP and it is, it's just going to have to be what it is. And I'll mix it in two weeks and I'll just, that's it. That's like sort of creating that, um, those limitations around it, the timeline and just the equipment. I get so hung up on like, but my guitar and like what guitar and what amp am I going to use and what tone and, um, just being able to not allow myself to overthink was really nice. And, uh, yeah. And it was, it was sick. It was a great experience. And, um, I like filmed lots of it. So there'll be a little vlog that comes out soon or me just sort of having some meltdowns and, uh, getting real hyped about stuff. And yeah. <laughs> and I bet you can't wait to show the world that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I guess just like from your college point of view, it's good just to do this thing and just try out new things and new sounds and, and figure out the sound stuff behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Very empowering. Um, super empowering to learn how to do it because it's so intimidating when you're on the other side of it and you feel like, you know, this phrase I used to say all the time, like, oh, I'm not that techie. I can't really do production. Um, and then I just, went and learned it and then it turns out I am techie <laughs> and I'm obsessed with tech and um, I just needed to to sort of understand it a bit better and like it just gives it's so empowering to to understand production and it's so empowering to um, be able to like pull off what you have in your brain it's the coolest feeling in the world and not needing anyone else yeah it's been a pretty incredible experience like just empowering would be the word yeah for sure and and how do you look at it from your own point of view like lyrically how do you see the new ep and do you kind of see them all as kind of companion pieces or do you think about your body of work in that respect yeah the um yeah they all they all fit perfectly together um the first three songs are all about the same relationship or uh, situationship or however you want to describe it and um I just I guess over 2020 like um like most people I really thought about time and the concept of time and um the right time waiting for the right time for something and like the line says you're always waiting for the right time darling but we're dying every single day and um I just thought about that a lot and thought back to um just a lot of regrets. I think we all went through that sort of like um, the things we we would do, the things we would do then if we could go back with the things that we know now. <laughs> um, and so they do fit perfectly um, together because they're about the same thing. And the last song on the EP, a song called Imperial Hotel, is um, about something else, but it's about you know feeling left behind or um feeling like somebody's just sort of moved on without you and I think that's 
also like a um, sort of I was also thinking about time and um, the nostalgia and um, how how things you know somebody can be your your closest person and then a year later you don't speak to them anymore and you know how weird is that like time is weird (laughs) have you thought like further ahead have you made music since you finished this album once you like put a bow on it finished it like left it uh behind have you started making new music since yeah i i have i wrote a lot in the last six months so i'd like to i'd like to work on an album i think next because um there's so many songs that i when i'm putting together an ep i i try to put you know if you've only got four songs then you want them to all be sort of songs or, or most of them to be songs you can release as singles um, well, I try to do that. And so sometimes my more experimental or um, sadder songs or more vulnerable songs, I put them aside. I wonder if that's like an avoidance thing. Um, <laughs> so I've got this collection of songs that I, I want. I think on an album you have space. You have more space to to put those songs on and, and be more, I don't know, more more, more yourself really. Great. Do you feel like daunted at all by the idea of making an album? Did you, I mean, like if you can imagine like back in 2013, did you think oh, I'll have an album out in two years or something like that? Well, yeah, because a lot of people when I first, like a lot of people were like, you have to do an album. Like I just never felt like ready to do it. It's like a pretty big, um, I mean, it's a big emotional investment and also um, you know, time and money. Although I probably, I'm lucky that I can do most of it myself, but, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to think. I mean, but then there's also the pressure of it. Like, um, if I was to do an album, then it's like, it has to be, I don't know, something I'm really proud of. And I don't know, it's a, it's a weird one. My brain is all over the place. (laughs) cool so hopefully that's something to look forward to soon enough in your future i mean i don't know don't hold me to it (laughs) (laughs) um but i'm always chipping away and recording stuff i'm doing um i'm also trying to to join other projects and i've just started a project with my friend um we haven't got a name yet but um it's been been really great to um i sort of write write the songs and send them to him and he we've got pretty different styles um and then he'll sort of come up with the music I guess uh guitars and and bass and we just go back and forth and that's been pretty empowering to just focus on lyrics and and vocals um just a different thing that I'm not used to and and so that's exciting I can't wait to play that live with you know we'll be playing as a band so um I just want to try loads of things and and say yes to lots of things and see what happens. I guess it's nice as well just trying something new like that kind of like not under your own name as well not as you know what some people might perceive it as but like trying something new. Yeah for sure and you don't have to you don't have to get stressed about the sound and all those things it's kind of it's very free and that's what it should be really you know it should be easy well it's i don't know i I guess it's um 
you have to work hard at everything that you love but um you the creativity side of it like the creation should be um there should be flow to it and um like just shit gets in the way and it sucks like (laughs) just like pressures and mental health and um COVID-19 pandemics and just things mess with the flow and it's like it's annoying sometimes (laughs) well that's something else to look forward to so this year anything else uh that you have planned for 2020 just kind of like wait and see what happens like every week and and month and see what see what see what new uh awful thing is around the corner yeah I guess um well I'm gonna finish up college so I'm just I'm in my final stages so um I'll yeah just try to try to get a job I guess and um (laughs) I don't know I I I I stopped making plans did everyone do that (laughs) oh I'm getting my driver's license this year that's on the top (laughs) oh right great yeah for sure i'm yeah i i ticked off um growing veggies last year that was like my goal of 2020 was like get real good at veggies and i think i did all right um what did you grow well uh some kale but i had a whole thing with the kale (laughs) where like the kale was like spread out and in the mornings i'd be like I'd come out and I'd think that it was like sort of stretching in the sun. And then I got like a bit too connected with the kale and then I stopped being able to eat the kale and it got a bit weird. And I had to like pull myself together and be like, get it, get your shit together. You, the kale is not living, like you can eat the kale. That's what this is. The transaction here is you grow the kale, you eat the kale. So I had to check myself, but um, just the usual basil tomatoes that stuff did you get into it too uh no no i didn't um maybe i'm not ready for the emotional connection i didn't realize (laughs) there was such an emotional connection with growing veg i mean that was deep in lockdown so like everything (laughs) was going a bit weird in my brain but yeah look (laughs) so veggie growing in 2020 and now traveling driving around australia in 2021 that's the plan yeah i think um yeah i can't wait i can't wait to drive it's I can't believe I'm 30 and I never learned to drive and my parents live up in Sydney so being able to drive up to see them would be really nice so uh and just you know going to the beach and all of the good stuff that um you you can't do on public transport (laughs) or you can but it's like you know two hours (laughs) listen thanks for uh taking your Saturday evening my Saturday morning to uh do the interview and best of luck with uh the new ep and the new singles that are coming out thank you so much and hopefully yeah hopefully see you soon at some point on some continent and um stay safe and uh you can do the plant thing you can do the veggie thing i believe in you okay stay away stay away from the emotional kale though okay <laughs> yeah don't plant kale that's all i've got to say be very careful with the kale <laughs> You ain't
Kill us. Time to kill us. Time to kill us. 